Tonight's episode of Midnight Tea is brought to you in part by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. fellow goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, moon child nil, and welcome to another episode of Midnight Tea. Well guys, first and foremost, before I jump into anything, I would like to apologize for the tardiness of this episode. I had promised that this episode was going to be out last week and ended up having to push it back once more just for another week, simply due to the fact that I was heavily heavily under a lot of stress and had a lot of work uh namely fashion week my, being my big one so i didn't get any proper time to sit and record so what you might notice in tonight's episode is some segments were actually recorded a week ago but i tried my best to rework them and make sure that they were still current and up to date So no information should be outdated in this episode. However, you'll hear me say certain things that date when I recorded. So I do apologize for that. But yeah, just to be straightforward, guys, I had so much on my plate in terms of what I needed to do that it delayed this podcast, partially also because I really needed to take a personal self-care day. Yes, guys, even I am not perfect and needed to take some me time for myself to kind of collect myself, do kind of nothing, so to speak, to better take care of myself. So, yes, guys, I had to take a personal day. I had to take a me day just to kind of get my bearings back and not lose my mind. But nonetheless, I did fashion week and my collection that I was presenting was so flawless I'm so proud of it and the show itself was fantastic some parts not so fantastic but overall I was very very happy so thank you guys for also being so so patient in waiting for this episode to come out as also this is the last episode of season four and after this I shall be taking a short break But this time, an allotted break. I will be taking three weeks off before we start up the next season. Also, how is everyone doing out there? Uh, I know we are still currently in a little bit of a scary time with what's still happening between Russia and Ukraine. And I want to continue to pledge my support for the people of Ukraine. I have currently donated to at least three different charitable organizations that are doing as much as humanly possible to help the people of Ukraine with just daily things that they need, such as toiletries, feminine products for women, diapers and and care products for children and babies, so on and so forth. If you are also interested at all in wanting to donate to some of these organizations to help the people of Ukraine, I will leave a link in my TikTok description and Instagram 
so that you guys can go out there and just do a little good for someone, so for, for others who desperately, desperately need it. But for any of my U.S. listeners, how are you doing? I'm hoping you are all well and you are all safe. Um, if you're anything like us in Los Angeles County, we have officially dropped mask mandates. We are almost at the point of doing away with checking vaccination cards or for vaccination status at most events, such as like sporting events, movie theaters, bars, restaurants, so on and so forth. And to be honest, your girl doesn't know how to feel about that. Um, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Uh, Just because we're still in a pandemic. I know they're saying COVID cases are dropping, but it's like a systematic roller coaster of the minute they drop and people let their guards down, something happens and we got to go back into into wearing masks and so on and so forth. And it almost feels like we don't win. So don't know how to feel about that. Especially with masks not being enforced, we have to take everybody at face value. So let's please work together to be a little honest about if you are really not feeling well, even if it's just down to a headache, please take the necessary precautions to go get tested. Because what might not be fatal to you could be for someone next to you. You know, everybody's immune systems are completely different and it's definitely helps if you are going to choose not to wear a mask, at least you need to be tested negative for COVID and at least in 100% health because I'm going to be honest, even the idea of getting a flu from somebody still sounds really scary because even for someone like me who's double vaccinated with Pfizer, boosted through Pfizer, is still really anxious about being in a lot of places that don't require masks anymore. That also includes the upcoming Comic-Con in San Diego that I will be going to in July. This includes um, tickets that I have to go to Midsummer, And even just going to theme parks like Disneyland, Universal Studios, Six Flags. None of them are enforcing masks anymore. Even when I just went to Disneyland in February, it was optional as long as you were outside. Indoors were mandatory. Now that's changed. Now masks are not mandatory, period, inside or out. Same thing with Universal Studios. Six Flags dropped everything. They didn't care. You can go on rides without a mask. You can be indoors without a mask. They don't care. And like I said, it feels nice to not have to wear the mask anymore. And I've definitely dabbled in not wearing it. But at the same time, I'm still apprehensive of, I hope person B next to me doesn't have COVID and just rolled up here without a mask on. Because, and I've said it in previous episodes, there's always that one person that's like, oh, I'm not, I don't have COVID and I don't believe in it and it's all a hoax. They're the first person to start coughing around you without a mask on. You know what I'm saying? And it does put a damper on a lot of fun. So I'm just hoping that every single one of you out there, if you are planning to go to any special event that requires you to be around other people, at the very least, whether you're vaccinated or not is irrelevant. Please take care of yourself. Please be in 100% health. Do not put somebody else at risk for you. And I just want to make that my quick little PSA. However, your girl herself is doing fantastic. Um, As we know, this is the last episode of this season. And after this, I will be taking a three-week break before we kick off season five. So there won't be another episode until March 30th. Or sorry, not March 30th, until April 1st. So the next episode will come out on April Fool's Day. Um, Part of the reason I'm taking this break is because I really have a lot of projects I need to catch up with. 
March ended up becoming a very busy month for me. Um, in terms of I have family here from Australia that's going to be here for the next three weeks and I'm trying to accommodate them as best I can. But not only that, I also am getting ready to do a fashion show. Um, I The company I work with will be presenting for Fashion Week. So I'm very, very excited about that. And there will be updates about that in the next episode. But not only that, I also have a few home costumes to work on, namely Hunt Couture Claudine. If any of you who are listening to this episode have also seen my stories um, on Instagram, know that I'm working on this project. They've probably been following me day by day and have seen the progress I made, which I am incredibly proud of. But just overall, I need to take a uh, a big break to kind of just get my bearings. I'm I'm def- I'm in that process right now of working seven days a week. I don't really get time to just stop and not do anything. And that's just my life right now. Absolutely not a complaint. It's just I'm busy. And that's why I decided to push back um, the start of season five of Midnight Tea to April 1st. So thank you guys all for tuning in as long as you have. And remember, there is still more coming. Your girl just needs to take five for a little while. But that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this episode after this very long intro. But before we do, I got to hit you with that disclaimer that tonight's episode may contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and media and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener discretion advised. Okay, guys, let's start off this episode by talking about my favorite doll franchise. You know it. You love it. I can't get enough of it. I'm still talking about it. Monster High. And in my last episode, we talked about them releasing the new Haunt Couture collection, which currently sits with three dolls in this collection, being Frankie Stein, Claudine Wolf, and Draculaura. Now, the reason I'm mentioning them in that specific, specific order, words, is because Mattel has started to release some of these Haunt Couture dolls. Now... Something that people have been griping about, and there's kind of still are, and I can kind of understand where they're coming from, is that these dolls are at a much higher price point than the standard 25 or so dollar doll that will be released in stores like Target, Walmart, when we still had them, Toys R Us, etc. These dolls are $75 each. If you also include shipping, that kind of bumps them up to roughly $90. Um, also, depending on where you live, I don't know, internationally, outside of the U.S., the price point for shipping is probably different. But yes, with shipping, usually within the U.S., it's $90, all inclusive with tax and such. Um, and yeah, people are kind of griping about that price point. But understand that these are collector dolls. These are not the standard ones that are going to be sold in stores. Therefore, they're not exactly, you know, open them and let your five-year-old tear them apart and play with them. These are, they sit on the wall to be cherished and worshipped kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So about three weeks back, they had released Frankie as the first of the three dolls released in the Haunt Couture line. Um, As per the timing of this recording, however, they have officially released Claudine as the second doll in the Haunt Couture lineup. Now, I'm going off of the best of my knowledge, but with that being said, Claudine is supposedly still available right now on MattelCreations.com if you are interested in picking her up. 
Um, like I said, she's $75 with tax and shipping. She comes out to roughly 90. That's the same price that Frankie Stein was as well. But yeah, she is the second doll released in the Haunt Culture line and I friggin love her. Um, I will admit at first when I saw her outfit for the Haunt Culture line, I thought it was a little put to like slapsticky st slapstickly put together i know that's not really a word but ro roll with me here um i wasn't super in love with the look um i just thought the colors were a little chaotic um i personally wasn't a fan of her like the biggest gripe i had was her purse i didn't like that her purse was basically one of those jacket purses that are pretty commonly found nowadays it's a little punky a little edgy um and it's a replica of her coat from the first basic line of Claudine Wolf. And I'm like, it's a little too gimmicky for me. But as I learned to see the doll more, I uh, became friends with one of the uh, Monster High doll influencers, influencer accounts on Instagram. Um, they took photos of the Haunt Couture outfit as he, in particular, I, I'm, I made sure to use his proper pronouns. Um, he sent me photos of Claudine's hot kosher outfit so I could use it for cosplay references, which we'll talk about that in a second. And I slowly learned to love it. Because um, the one thing I was drawn to mostly with Claudine is her purple and pink striped jacket or coat. This thing is cool. Um, especially now having built the coat myself. Um, with the purple-pink-purple combo striping on it. The lime green lining, which I thought was weird, but it, you know what? It grew on me. It took a minute. Um, whereas, you know, with Claude, with Frankie and Dracula's outfit, I loved it on first sight. With Claudine, I'm usually a little pickier because, you know, I want to see my monster in a, the coolest outfit possible. She's a fashionista. So the one thing she should know is color combos more than anything else. With her and I both being interested in the fashion industry. So, or interested or in the fashion industry. But regardless, I learned to love her outfit the more I saw it, the more I started even working on it myself, which, yes, I don't think it should come as min as much of a surprise, guys. But yes, I am working on a Haunt Couture Claudine cosplay specifically for San Diego Comic-Con this year. Um, right now, the costume is sitting at about, I want to say 30-ish percent completion with the coat being fully finished. Um, I started cutting out the skirt. I didn't get any work done on it too much uh right now it's in about four pieces five if you include the zipper um the top has not been cut at all yet or worked on i still have to make new ears for her like there's a really cute concept in mind for a tiktok transition video of me being the basic uh the basic claudine flipping it and becoming haunt couture claudine but yeah there's still some small pieces here and there that are missing for this costume but my goal is to have her finished and ready by the end of this month. Um, I want to have her done before the doll comes in. But I'm I'm super excited about this doll. And of course, obviously, as Claudine has not sold out, that means, yes, I did get her. I had absolutely no issues getting Haunt Couture Claudine. So I'm very happy that she's going to be home in here soon. Which is funny because they actually said the release date of the doll online from Mattel Creations said that the doll was going to be released in June on my exact birthday. So that kind of, it hits me in a special spot that my monster, 
supposedly was going to be released on my birthday. Um, I know that is not the case because they said something similar with Frankie and Frankie ended up showing on my showing up on my doorsteps not even two weeks after I bought her. So Claudine will definitely be here a little sooner. And I don't know if this is the trajectory and how they're trying to release these dolls. But I know, but if that is the case, that means Draculaura is the last of the three and she will be released in roughly three weeks. So I, I know a lot of people were really also upset that Claudine was released with a 24 hour notice. And yeah, that kind of jaunted me a little bit because, you know, this is a very expensive doll and it's really nice to kind of have at least a week's notice of when she's getting released. But so a lot of people didn't have the money right away to pick her up. And that well, that's what I'm hearing through the grapevines through some of the Monster High um, Facebook groups I'm part of, was that they were upset that she was a 24-hour notice doll. And I get I get that 100%. But one thing I really will say that I loved was that she is released tonight. She was released today in succession of this being a full moon cycle. And I thought that was so tongue-in-cheek of Mattel, and I really liked that. I thought that was a really good little tie-in because werewolves are ruled by the moon. So I loved that. I thought that was really cute. And like I said, this just gives me more excited for Draculaura. Um, I don't know if there's a specific intention of releasing her last or just so happened because the moon cycle happened to be this week. That's why they decided on Claudine. Um, regardless, I think it's cool. I really like it a lot. I thought that was really adorable. So if you had not had a chance, go ahead and check out MattelCreations.com. If you're interested in purchasing Claudine, like I said, I already got her. She'll be in the mail very shortly. I'm super excited because, of course, she's my monster. I have to have her. Um, and it's, like I said, I can't say 100% for sure what is the trajectory of when they plan to release Draculaura. Um, truthfully, I thought they might have even released her first because, you know, February 14th, Valentine's Day, it's her birthday. That's also the release date of Universal's uh, monster movie Dracula so it would make sense but I, I guess not so I don't know what might be the significance of the date that they release her there wasn't really one for Frankie as far as I know like maybe it tied into when Mary Shelley released the Frankenstein novel or when the movie by Universal was made no clue but regardless we have these two monsters released now Frankie is sold out if you if you missed your chance to get her from Mattel Creations Sorry, you're kind of at the mercy of scalpers now, but Claudine is still available. Draculaura should be coming out at some time soon. And when she does release, of course, I'm going to make another update so that you guys can get all of the monsters released in that set. And also, I want to say a very special thank you to um, to Instagram user ZombieXCorn, also known as Jay. I want to send a special thank Thank you and shout out to him because without his help of his photos of the Claudine doll that he got from Mattel, there would be no way I would get as far as I have with the cosplay I've, with the cosplay that I wanted to do of Claudine. So a massive shout out is due in part to him because he basically helped me finish Claudine early just by sending me photos. So thank you, Jay of Zombie X Corn on Instagram. You've been a massive, massive help. Okay, so to start off this episode, guys, I'm actually going to get into a TV show that I just finished. It was uh, streaming on Hulu, and that is Pam and Tommy. Now, some of you guys might be a little too young to remember this. I mean, you might be of the younger millennial group. Um, I was even a little too young for this, but this 
miniseries that aired on Hulu or streaming on Hulu was a kind of a docu-pick about the stress that happened between Pam and Tommy. And I kind of remember this briefly when I was growing up because my parents were so invested in it. Uh, I was still a little too young around the time this had happened to date myself. A lot of this took place in 1995. I was seven years old at the time. So I don't really 100% know what all happened until I watched this. I was just very familiar with Pamela Anderson from her Baywatch uh, time. And then I knew Tommy Lee later on in life from Motley Crue. So there's going to be a massive disclaimer here of trigger warning of, of domestic abuse and violation of people's privacy. If this is a topic that might be too much for you, go ahead and look after yourself and jump into the next topic. This is also going to contain spoilers for the entire series of Pam and Tommy right here since the series just ended. Uh, they just aired the last episode on March 9th and the whole series is now up in its entirety on Hulu. So if you want to watch that before you watch this or listen to this episode, go for it. If not, I'm going to go ahead and just jump on into it. So for some of you guys who might not have remembered, or you were like me, you were too young to know what happened or you weren't around yet. The show Pam and Tommy is strictly based off of Pamela Anderson, who was a very famous up and coming celebrity and her brief three year marriage to Tommy Lee, the drummer of Motley Crue. So what had happened is these two got married, got met and married within four days of, of, of knowing each other. Like they met on a Monday, they were married by Thursday, like this kind of quick. Um, and sometime within their whirlwind uh, marriage, they went on vacation, I believe it was Lake Mead, and they decided to create a sex tape. And I don't know how true in the show the circumstances is for what led to the tape being stolen, but the tape was stolen by a guy named Rand, who I who in the show did construction work for Tommy's house. And Tommy was kind of a dick and didn't pay him. And this guy Rand stole stuff in Tommy's safe as, as revenge or for... Um, compensation for the the work he did on the house that Tommy didn't pay him for. And so in that vault, he's, or safe, he stole like, you know, watches, jewelry, things that were worth, you know, monetary value. But then he found a tape and the tape was the sex tape that Pam and Tom and Tommy had created them for themselves. And he decided as revenge on Tommy to make it go viral so he started making copies of the VHS cassette. Again, this was the 90s. And he started distributing it and selling it to people. And what initially started as just a plot to take revenge on them got far out of hand to the point where people were making bootlegs of his bootleg and it eventually ended up online. And keep in mind, guys, this is the 90s, like nine, mid-90s. Internet was just barely taking off. Like... <laughs> To think of the internet that we have today in 2022 in comparison to where it was in 95, it, you, leagues different, so different from what we have now. Um, it was so stripped down and so bare bones. But I digress. Um, so the show pretty much not only does it get into how Tom and Pammy met, it also gets into 
what led up to the stealing of the tape. This is pretty much in the first three episodes. From then on, it gets into a little bit of Rand's personal life. It also gets into the main focus of the later episodes fully gets into what happened between Tommy and Pam in all in the madness of this tape going 100% viral, as crazy viral as something could get in 1996. So what a lot of people have been talking about with this show, and I kind of agree, uh, mostly um, the controversy. And that's not just because of just the show and, and its context. It was mostly about how Pamela Anderson had felt about the releasing of this docuseries. And truthfully, the makers of this show did not have Pamela Anderson's blessing to make the show, which I feel like is a little bit of a stab in the back to her because she didn't okay this. Um, the directors and producers had asked for her, for her blessing. Um, I believe Sebastian Stan, who plays uh, Tommy Lee, also had asked for her permission. Lily James, who plays... Pamela Anderson in the show also had asked for her blessing and I don't I'm not 100% sure if she just didn't give it or her representative said no I don't know if it was uh, specifically asked to her directly but and and all be all they got either a no response or a no but they went ahead and made the show anyway which is pretty dirty it it, it is a violation of her I, I can understand 100% from Pamela Anderson's perspective this is a violation and they went ahead and just did it behind her back. Now, whether Tommy Lee, the real Tommy Lee of Motley Crue, gave permission for the show to be made is is unclear. I have no idea. Um, but I feel like one of them had probably said yes. And that they were fine with this docuseries. So I'm going to go on, on a limb and say Tommy Lee, but I cannot confirm that. Um, but regardless, the story was told... And I don't know if Pamela Anderson herself has watched it since then, but she had went out to say that this was definitely a violation of her rights and an invasion of her privacy. And not only that, just ripping open some very painful wounds for her for something that went dormant for so many, for easily two decades, um, just over two decades. And I think maybe because she didn't get to see the series in full, and I'm not trying to defend the show. Understand, I, I did enjoy it. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't. I'm not going to lie to you, my audience. I did enjoy the show a lot because this was something my parents were following religiously. I think they even owned a copy of the VHS, if I'm not mistaken. I personally, I never saw the tape till late, later in, the, in my later years. But I... I, I Never could understand as a kid why they were so invested in these two other than I knew Pamela Anderson from Baywatch. And that's all I knew her from. And yeah, she made some stuff back in the day with, I believe, Comedy Central or MTV or Spike TV, whatever existed at the time, where she made barbed wire. She had a stro, she had a, an animated show called Stripperella. I believe that's what it's called. VIP, which is another show I watched. But... Oh yeah, there's Barbarella, there's Barbed Wire, yeah. So I just didn't understand when they kept mentioning the Pam tape. I didn't understand what they meant until, you know, until I got much older in life. But 
if there's anything I really wanted to touch on and why I say I don't think Pamela Anderson watched the series in its entirety is because easily the last four episodes is about her struggle with this. And actually a very prominent line that Lily James as Pamela says in the series when Tommy Lee keeps saying, well, I'm on that tape too. And she rebuttals with, not the same way I am. And it's such a powerful thing for her to say because, and maybe this isn't a man thing. I'm not, I'm not even trying to do a battle of the sexes here, but I feel like it's such a man thing to say when they say, I'm on that sex tape too. They don't understand that when, and, and this is pretty much in all social cases, when a man shows his penis or his junk in a sex tape or he flashes somebody, at worst, you're going to hear, ew. At best, you're going to hear, oh, he's so hung, he's got a big dick, etc., etc. When a woman shows her genitalia, it immediately becomes, she's a slut, she's a whore. She's all these ugly, negative connotations that you will hear not just from men, but women too. So I'm, I'm just putting that in perspective, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm putting this in, in perspective that, and the show is, it showcases this very well, where Tommy Lee gets praised for this sex tape. They're like, oh man, how big is it? Did you measure it? Oh man, and you're nailing Pamela Anderson. You're the man, you're this, you're that. All Pamela got in all of this was backlash. She was constantly berated. There was an episode that's super uncomfortable in the series in which the attorney is basically filming her like a testimony of why she wants this tape to stop spreading because this tape really did affect her deeply. It affected her marriage. It affected, um, I believe, that the, the stress of the whole ordeal caused her to have a miscarriage, which is all portrayed in this show. And it's really kind of heartbreaking to see it that all she's getting seen as is a bimbo and a blonde slut because she made a sex tape with her husband that the world got to see, even though it was never intended for them to see. And I think that's such a rough topic to get into. But anyway, in this episode, this attorney is filming her testimony and he's asking her super uncomfortable questions that really have nothing to do with the, the, with the case at hand about the tape. Because they are basically suing the guy who released it for, you know, unrecordable damages. You know, now that that tape's out there, everybody's seen it. And what's worse, it's now going online so people can watch it whenever they want. And, he, yeah, he, it, it's similar to a lot of the... If you ever YouTube any of the interviews with Britney Spears from the 90s they, or, or early to mid-2000s, where they ask her unbelievably personal questions that have nothing to do with anybody's business. Like, were you a virgin when you did this? Oh, so you pose nude for this. And do you fuck your husband like this? And it's stuff that nobody needs to know. But they're asking her, and she, you can cle clearly see she's super uncomfortable both in the Britney Spears YouTube videos and in this case of watching Pamela being asked these questions and she's squirming because she's uncomfortable and you're uncomfortable with her because this is not okay. So in all that regards, is this a bad show? No. I think this is very honest in how this was handled back in 1995 to 1998 where they couldn't get enough of Pamela because she was in Baywatch and she's now married to Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee is from one of the most famous rock bands that have ever existed. 
And they're just the power couple. They were the power couple of the mid-90s. And it's so painful to see something that was so private to them, so deep and personal, be exploited for monetary gain that they did not see a dime off of. Like, it's just incredibly intrusive. And I mean, put yourselves in their position. You and your husband. And I know today's day and age, it's a lot different. We're not as prude to sex as we used to be. But let's just say, put yourself in the 90s. Internet wasn't really a thing yet. Wasn't taking off quite as much. You and your your significant other made a sex tape that was completely private. No one was to see it. You hid it in the most safest place imaginable. But somebody stole it from you and took it and made money off of it without your permission. You'd be furious too. And so I think the show, though, has some very ridiculous moments. Episode 2 in particular, which, by the way, you see a lot of nudity in episode 2. And... If, if anybody is asking, do you really get to see all of Lily James? Do you really get to see all of Tommy Lee? I mean, Sebastian Stan. The answer is yes, question mark, because I don't believe that's their actual bodies. Um, Lily James is portrayed with Pamela Anderson's infamous um, implants. So I don't really think that's her boobs. It, if that is that her figure? Yeah, I think that is her figure. That is her body in, in theory. Do I think that's really Sebastian Stan nude? No, I don't. Um, I don't think that's his body. You do see his junk. Just for anybody who's really that curious, yes, you do see his junk. But I, I think that for both of them, they had body doubles for a lot of this. And there is a scene, and a slight spoiler here, where there is a CG'd moving penis. Why? Why is it there? I don't know. Does it add anything to the story? No, absolutely not. But it's there. So I digress. I personally think this is a good series. I think it's, if you wanted to be informed about what happened between them and the damage it caused both Tommy and Pam, but definitely Pam, this is worth a watch. Um, especially, like I said, you might have parents that have that were very invested in this in the 90s, Maybe you were that person that was interested in learning about that tape or watching that tape back then. I, I still think it was actually a very valid attempt to capture what had happened at that time and how badly it affected these two people. Now, I think in retribution to Hulu releasing this, mockument, this uh, mock series of the events that took place, Netflix is going to be releasing a documentary with Pamela Anderson about what had happened in the 90s. So this is going to be taken straight. I don't like saying it this way. This is going to be taken straight from the horse's mouth of her accounts of what happened. And I'm going to be watching that fervently too whenever that releases. Because I do want to hear her 100% side of this story. Not just what some writers made up and glamorized for the sake of television. I want to know what she feels about this. I want to know how she felt about all of this and how it affected her marriage, her miscarriage. As a matter of fact, the scene, the episode where she has her miscarriage, it's actually a very beautiful scene where the doctor's with them. It's all in silence. And the doctor delivers the news that she had this miscarriage. Her and Tommy are crying. They're completely upset. They're devastated because they wanted to be parents. So he's taking her home. And somebody, some paparazzi catches them at a stoplight in their car 
and tries to interview Pamela. And Pamela has had it between the sex tape and, you know, things are going rocky with Tommy. And now she just lost her baby. She does not have the energy. She reaches into the backseat of her car. She grabs a club, runs out of the car and starts smashing up this paparazzi's car in defiance because she is furious. She is pissed. She has had it. And she just and she just had this moment where she popped off. And Tommy just comes and holds her because I'm like, he you know, he's scared of her, but at the same time, he knows what she's going through. This was a hellish experience. And in that moment, I don't think I've seen Pamela be more beautiful than taking a weapon, getting back at somebody who did them so much damage, and just taking her power back. She's, you know, she's been through hell. I think that's a very beautiful scene in this movie or series. And I think it's worth a watch on that, just on that scene alone. But I will be watching the Pamela Anderson documentary once it hits Netflix because I do want to get more of the story. Again, not the sensationalized version that we got in Pam and Tommy, which again, I don't know how much in that show is actual facts and what was made up for the sake of the story. But if you're interested, I say give it a watch. When Pamela Anderson's documentary comes out, I will give you guys more of an insight on that. Me personally, it was a really good watch and it was really insightful on a time capsule of the 90s that I barely remembered. And with that, guys, we're going to take a quick break, but we will return back after a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, welcome back. So we're going to go ahead and do another review of a movie that came out recently that... I personally cannot shut up about and I know it's a little bit of whiplash that we talked about something as adult as Pam and Tommy on Hulu and now we're jumping to Disney but uh, your girl is someone of various tastes and wears a lot of hats here so uh, we're gonna go ahead and we're going to be reviewing Turning Red that premiered on Disney Plus in the last week and I'm already gonna say this much right now I'm fucking obsessed with this movie Oh, we, we're going to talk about it. Um, but I will put a disclaimer right here that there is going to be talks of spoilers. Um, if this is not for you and you do not want this movie spoiled for you, I would recommend going ahead and skipping into the next segment. Or if you're really interested in hearing my insight and my thoughts about this, stop this episode right now and go watch Turning Red either in theaters or on Disney+. Plus. Um, but if you already seen it and you're interested in my thoughts, or if you don't care about spoilers, feel free to continue. But from here on out, we will be talking spoilers for Turning Red. Now, um, shit, what can I say about this movie? It's so good. Oh, this is really good. I don't know what's in the water with Pixar right now between Luca Encanto and turning red but you guys are doing such a phenomenal job my mind is blown with every new entry you've put in so far so for anybody who doesn't know i'm gonna give a quick synopsis of turning red and that is it is the story of a 13 year old chinese girl living in toronto canada in 2002 and she's kind of got this nerd click between her and her three other friends uh, Priya, Miriam, and Abby. And they're kind of like this nerdy girl clique, but they're not necessarily picked on. They're just in their own world. And they're they're vivacious, they're energetic, they're weird. The same way we would be in that time frame. 
and everything in Malin or Maymay, as her mom calls her, everything in her world's perfect. She's a good student. She helps her mom at the temple because her ancestors um, uh, worshipped a red panda that kind of protected their village in times long, long ago. And everything in her world's perfect. That is until one day she realizes she is cursed with the ability to turn into a red panda and this is all ruled by her emotions, like extreme emotions turn her into this panda. So at first she's afraid to talk to her mom about it and her mom misunderstands her as thinking, oh, she finally started her female menstruation. She's finally coming into womanhood. And it's never necessarily addressed whether she is or isn't, which is kind of also irrelevant, but it is about her being able to transform into a red panda, which she's afraid to express to her mom. Hijinks happen. Her mom finds out about the red panda and tells her it's kind of been a family tradition. And as far as we know, only in the women. So her mom basically wears a charm that keeps her red panda at bay. And Maymay is left with the choice of, do I want to subdue this panda and not have it rule my life and my emotions, or do I embrace it because it's weird and it's different like me? And that's just the short version of the synopsis of this movie. And like I said in the intro, I'm friggin' obsessed with this movie for a multitude of reasons. Number one is it's set as a teenager in the early 2000s. I was a teenager in the early 2000s. Like, I'm going to get very specific here. This movie's set in 2002, and the main character's 13. I was 14 at that time. I understand 100% what she's into. She's into carrying virtual pets. Um, Maylin is interested in in carrying her virtual pet where she goes. I've recently, um, maybe a couple months back, I think longer at this point, rebought my old Pokemon Pikachu, and I've been carrying that thing with me everywhere. So I get it. She has her friend click, and every single character is different. Um, Abby is her Korean friend. She's brash. She's loud. She actually reminds me a lot of Mabel from Gravity Falls, and she's adorable as shit. She actually reminds me a lot of my friend that I hang out with almost every day. Then there's her friend Miriam, who's... She's kind of the one who calls the shots in making all the right decisions. She's the plot. She's, you know, she's the brainchild. She's the one who comes up with the great plots of what are we doing today? She, you know, she's the organizer for sure. She's freaking great. Um, I can think of at least five friends that were exactly like her in my friend clique back when I was 14. And then there's her friend Priya, who's kind of a goth. Uh, obviously she doesn't wear black necessarily but she's into vampire novels like the book she's reading is a spoof of twilight and it's hilarious and she's dark she doesn't really show emotions she's kind of like raven from teen titans and the way she expresses herself it's pretty cute and it's like all of them are like this tight click they're obsessed with this boy band called or this boy band called four town and this is this is my childhood this is exactly what we were into Now, like, granted, I was in my goth phase around that time. Like, I was starting to find myself as a goth. But I was secretly still in love with Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls. And this was just my fucking jam. The scene in this movie... Again, spoiler. There's a scene in this movie that the minute I saw it, I paused it and rewatched it again. On my first watch through of this movie. Because it it reminded me so much of myself. Was 
Maylin and her friends go to this or walk past this convenience store and they see this kid who works behind the counter and all of Maylin's friends are obsessed with him. They're like, he's hot. He's gorgeous. And she's like, uh, no. And reminds them, we're obsessed with Four Town. Remember, Four Town is the universe. They are our world. She even names her, her virtual pet after the one character in Four Town that she's obsessed with. And that's like, she's like, that's our baby. This is shit I pulled. But regardless, so her friends kind of talked about this guy who works at the convenience store. Later that night, Maylin goes home and she starts doodling in one of her books. And the doodle looks a little like the guy at the convenience store. So then her hand slips. She draws a little more. All of a sudden, they're in this romantic embrace. And the way she freaks out about it, and it's like, oh my God, it is that guy. I'm obsessed. Oh my God. Her freak out is 100% what I did as a kid. I saw way too much of myself in her reaction. She rolls under the bed. She keeps doodling it. She's hiding it under the bed. Her mom almost sees it. And I'm like, this reminds me so much of when I used to draw hentai as a kid, as a teenager. And I would, my friends at school would ask me to draw like Duo from Gundam Wing having sex with Sailor Mars. And I would draw that ish. And my, I wanted to keep a copy for myself, but my mom would see it. And she's like, what is this? And it's so, it's exactly this. It's exactly what I went through. And I rewatched that scene like three times because I was like, oh my God, it just struck such a nerve with me. And just everything these girls do is exactly what my stupid 14-year-old self with my group of friends did. It's perfectly to a T. And I think what's beautiful about it is a lot of people my age who watch this movie saw exactly the same thing. They had the exact same experiences growing up. They could also identify everybody in Maylin's friend clique the same way they could identify their their actual friends. And that's just the magic of this movie. Not to mention the coming of age of Maylin learning to accept having such a different identity from what her mom has because Maylin, you could argue, is about a first or second generation, you know, Chinese immigrant living outside of her country so she's more she's embracing a different culture than what her parents probably went through what her grandparents went through and you know her mother's almost kind of scared of that because you know she grew up so strict and not being allowed to do a lot of things because of this panda that she had to keep under control and grandma was kind of strict about it because she was brought up old school Speaking of grandma, let's talk about her. She's such an interesting character. She looks like a mafia hit woman. She's so badass. And on top of that, Malin's mother has sisters, four of them to be exact. And, or was it three? Sorry, I, I did not watch that scene enough. But she has aunties that come in and each auntie has their own personality and their own charm that holds their red panda at bay. And they're hilarious. They're so hilarious. I don't think we ever get a name for the individual aunties, but fell out laughing just ridiculously perfect in every single way so the takeaway I have for this is if you were a teenager growing up in the early 2000s and you had this kind of nerdy weird not necessarily you were bullied necessarily, but if you definitely felt something that somebody didn't understand, but you didn't give a shit because it made you happy, this movie slaps. This movie is perfection because it it's the perfect time capsule of what being a teenager in, in the early 2000s was like. 
it's so perfect. And it is that coming of age story of kind of learning to separate yourself from what your parents standards and the mold that they wanted you to be. Um, I've seen similar movies like, for example, a goofy movie is one of my all time favorite movies, because not only is a buddy, is it a buddy road trip movie, but it is, it is also another coming of age story just told from a male perspective of Max trying to separate from his dad and not wanting to be his dad. He wants to be his own individual. And I think that was held, that was held in well regards for the nineties. And also from a male perspective was turning red is a perfect example of this being held in the two thousands from a female perspective. So let's also talk a little bit about the controversy because I really don't have any negatives about this movie, like any. But there's a little bit of controversy wrapped around this movie. The first and foremost I'm going to mention is the talk of the character of Miriam, one of Malin's friends, was reported to be transgender. And people flipped out a little bit about that. Dude, who cares? Personally, I kind of like the idea. I really like the idea that Miriam is a transgender character. But what's crazy about it, it was only mentioned in what was a private email. And I believe there was a casting call letter sent out for kids who wanted to try out to be the voice of Miriam. But it didn't go anywhere. Um, Miriam is never mentioned about being transgender. We were just assuming she's female. But in my head, she is transgender and she's a fucking awesome character. You know, how she takes charge of the group. And like I said, she's the planner. She's the organizer. It's great. I really don't see how the contents of what's under this kid's clothes makes or breaks how awesome this character is. So I think all the conservative moms and Karens need to shut the fuck up and let your kids enjoy this. Because Miriam's perfect. I need people to stop bitching about it. Next was also the controversy of how the movie tackles the talk of menstruation of Malin's mother being prepared for the day that her daughter was going to go through this transition and of course conservative parents were like you went too far you shouldn't talk about these things why as females we all have it we've all experienced it at least once in our lives before we were put on some kind of contraceptive whether it's birth control IUDs patches shots etc We all go through it. And I think it's time that we stop being so prude and shaming others for talking about something that sometimes our parents don't even tell us. You know, um, especially growing up in that era, it was common that we were going to all watch this video that talked about all these changes your body goes through. And your parents had to sign a, a permission slip to let you go and do all this. And some parents just said no. So some kids definitely didn't grow up with the education of how to handle your menstruation, your transition into womanhood. So the fact that a Pixar movie that was made for kids who are probably, kids probably at this era are going through it right now and probably didn't have that talk. This is educational. I don't understand why parents are losing their shit over something you should be teaching your kids anyway. And I really don't see what the problem was. I don't think it was handled in any kind of negative way. As a matter of fact, I think this is actually very smart in how this was handled because even in watching this movie, I definitely obviously saw that Malin becoming the red panda is a metaphor for her transition into womanhood. And I think it could, I don't think there was a way Pixar could have handled it any better than the way they did. 
because again, this should not be a taboo topic for women to talk about the things that go on with their body. Um, I've even seen TikTokers who literally make like women my age in their 30s talking about, okay, girls, this is what you're going through when puberty happens. You know, if your parents are not going to explain it to you, we will. Things down to the science of how often should you change your pads or your tampons? Is it normal to have these kind of reactions when your body does this or that when you do anything during your monthly cycle? Things that people should know, things that women should know, girls even should know going through this kind of transition because, yeah, it sucks. Girls don't want to have periods, but it's a part of life and it helps to be educated about it. So to all the conservative Karens and moms who like, ooh, Disney shouldn't talk about, shut up, shut the fuck up. This ain't about you. This is about teaching your kids how to handle something that you are too afraid to explain to them. And I'm sorry, if it really bothers you that Disney is educating your kids on what's the right thing to do with their bodies, then you grow up and teach them. Okay? So that being said, do I have any negatives about turning red? Absolutely not. I can't stress enough how much I'm thinking that this is encompassing one of the most perfect Disney movies that speaks to my generation really well and is a time capsule for kids that are growing up now to see how we grew up. And with our little weird clique of friends, how our parents may have been a little more conservative than your parents now, and how to handle the situations we go through. And it's very interesting for me because, you know, I didn't grow up with super strict parents, so I never really knew how bad it was. Um, I did have a lot of Asian friends, especially growing up in Hawaii, that you know, were this level of strict, very strict, and didn't express very hard a lot about, again, when your body goes through changes, whether my friends were guys or girls. So I think this handles something that's so sensitive in the smartest possible way. I mean, easily, I'm sorry, this movie is a 9.5 out of 10. It's like damn near perfect. It pretty much is. Just in handling subject matter in Again, it's a time capsule of this era. I can't sing its praises enough. Um, and I'm going to be honest, TikTok's already started making jokes over um, is is uh, Turning Red better than Encanto, which I was very obsessed with Encanto. I couldn't be obsessed enough about this movie. And do I think either's better? I'm like, eh, it's an apples to oranges situation. Encanto deals with family trauma, which trust me when I say I could definitely relate to this on some some kind of level um it, it's an apples to oranges thing I can't say I really prefer one over the other and I'm one of those people where my love for a certain movie fluctuates depending on my mood um but there was this funny meme I did see on TikTok of uh, a scene from Fairly Odd Parents where Timmy Turner pretends to be a girl to get um Trixie to like her or like him and Trixie says, okay, well, you're my new best friend. And she's the cover of TikTok and Timmy is turning red. So Trixie picks up this photo of Encanto and rips it in half. And it's her friend, it's her blonde friend, the cheerleader friend. I don't remember her name. And then somewhere in the mall, she feels that pain when her photo gets ripped and it's her as Encanto. And I, I, I know it's not as funny when I explain it, but it's hilarious. And 
of course, everybody's already kind of making that whole argument. Like, why can't people just like eat both? It's not hard. I'm like, yeah, I get what they're saying. It's just a joke, though. You know, it's never meant to be taken seriously. And me personally, I do love Encanto and Turning Red for their own separate reasons. I just think right now, because for me, Turning Red is so fresh that I correlate with it more. Um, Like I said, it's a perfect time capsule of the same era I was a teenager in. Like, truthfully, if I was in this story, I would be Priya 100% because she's basically baby goth. The only difference is instead of reading Twilight at that era, I was 100% reading Interview with the Vampire or the Vampire Chronicles at that time. So I do, I would definitely have been in Maylin's clique of friends just on that alone. So yes, I, I, I super recommend anybody out there go and check out Turning Red, either whether you go see it in theaters or check it out on Disney+. Plus. This is such a great experience to watch a movie that truly does speak to me in a lot of levels. Um, whether you are a Chinese immigrant, whether you were a teenager in that, in that time, or you have a little girl who was curious to know what your life was like at that time, this is a phenomenal Pixar movie. Like, I, I can't, hats off to you, Pixar, because like I said, Luca and Kanto turning red you guys are slaying it and i cannot love this movie more all right guys it is time for tonight's listener friendly asked questions tonight i only have two questions as i want to kind of keep this episode a little on the shorter side which i probably failed that already but let's go ahead and get into it so the first question comes anonymously i think both tonight are anonymous and the questions are what is your top horror movies that truly scared or scarred you okay uh thank you for that i guess (laughs) um listen i'm pretty seasoned i'm a pretty seasoned horror fanatic um i dare say i've seen my fair share of horror movies that a lot of people have not heard of that are not really of the mainstream um like i know a lot of people are like oh mainstream horror movies like Hostel or Halloween really scared me and I'm like yeah I've seen a Serbian film if you have ever even heard of that title don't look it up it's not worth it this movie is depraved on all levels um I've seen a Serbian film I've seen Necromantic and I'll be honest with you guys I've actually seen a snuff film um some very horrifying stuff um that left me pretty scarred for a while. Uh, it actually ruined a song for me because it was played in the film. Um, yeah, that left me a little fucked up for a while. But um, in terms of horror that I feel left any kind of imprint on me, like damaging-wise, um, it's really hard because I've seen so many horror films and truthfully... With horror, it's that kind of thing where you get over it after a while. Um, okay, my personal thing is I don't like home invasions. Um, like, you know, you can keep your Freddies and your, you know, your psychological or your, or your <laughs> psychological, your supernatural or your um, demon possessions and ghost movies. Like, they're scary, yes, but for me, there is nothing scarier than the human element. 
So, like for example, the first purge, I'm, granted it doesn't really affect me now, but the first purge was terrifying to me because, again, home invasions, I don't like that. Um, the Strangers for me was absolutely terrifying because I saw that in theaters the first night it came out. Um, yeah, sen- random senseless violence in your home. So, like, even, like, true crime stories like the Charles Manson murders, that terrified me. You know, when you're going to sleep in your house and somebody comes in and robs you or worse that to me has always been very terrifying um the movie ills which i've only seen once but yeah it's pretty scary so yeah that kind of thing scares me the most um is home invasions uh i don't watch too many of them but the few that i have like i said strangers or ills definitely hits a certain type of way um I remember when I was like 13, I saw The Ring for the first time. And I think the blessing on that one was I saw The Ring as the very last movie I watched on a VHS. I don't think I've seen a movie on VHS since. And I think that's perfect because of the context of The Ring. Because the whole movie revolves around a videotape. And the way they set it up on VHS was it plays you the creepy subliminal text uh, video before you even watch the movie. So you have no clue what all those images are until you watch the movie in full. And then you're like, shit. And what made this also perfect was one of my friends timed it just right and called us when we finished the movie and did the seven days thing. And that scared me so bad that I slept with the lights on for like two weeks I drove my mom crazy. That light, though, was not cool. Was not cool. So, yeah, that scared me to death when I first watched it. Um, I'm over it now, but as I, when I was 13, that definitely did damage. Like, I wasn't going to... I didn't want to walk home by myself. Nothing. Um, but, yeah, as of now, as an older, like I said, seasoned horror veteran, doesn't scare me as much. Um, the Babadook scared me for like a few days. Uh, just the image of him scared me. And then I cosplayed him and then got over that fear pretty fast. Um, (laughs) what else? What else? That's such a tough one. Um, no, I think that covers it pretty well. Uh, recently I've been rewatching a lot of the, I've been re, I just rewatched all the Friday the 13th movies. I'm currently watching now all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets because I, genuinely forgot what happens in four five and six which are easily my least favorites to be honest um the next one i'm on is um a new nightmare which i kind of have a very special place in my heart for as that's one of the sequels i remembered very well and all culminating and ending with freddy versus jason which i've don't come for me i've never seen freddy versus jason so gotta get into that um but yeah, there's really not that many horror movies that scarred me that I could walk walk away from and be like, oh God. Well, if we're going to rattle off anything else, I would say The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist. Um, if you guys know what I'm talking about, the ending for that movie was such a, such a blow to the gut. It was such a sucker punch that I walked out of that theater crying and I'm like, I just want to go home and watch My Little Pony now. Um... But, yeah, that was, there was that. Um, yeah, anything else off the top of my head, I cannot 
I can't think of at the moment. I don't think any other movie hit me with that kind of impact. But yes, thank you, Anonymous, for that question of, you know, any horror movies that have ever done any damage on me. You actually had to make me think there for a little bit. And my last question also comes anonymously. And they ask me, what does your Monster High collection look like? Um, first of all, that's a very loaded question because what are we talking about here? Are we talking just dolls? Are we talking any other merch? Because you girl has a lot. Um, I have almost every basic doll they created, plus a few extras, a few, a lot extras. I have all the Comic-Con exclusives of the dolls, um, a couple of the 17-inch ones, which... They only made, I think, four monsters. Five. Um, yeah, I, this could go on and on and on, but I have some of the Comic-Con exclusive like side items that you could get for free, like a bunch of the bags. Some of them are just all over my bathroom. I have... Um, my goodness, like I said, this can go on forever. Almost everything Target created bathroom wise for monster high like floor mats um toothpaste or toothbrush holder soap dispenser towels shower curtains shower rings i have it all i have all of it um they even made dry erase boards i have like at least three of those um the vinyl figurines like the i think they're like four inches tall vinyl figurines i have almost all of them I just finished collecting all the Funko Pops. I was only missing Cleo and Laguna. I have all of them now. Um, a couple of the Mega Blocks figurines. I have those. I have a couple of uh, of these wall puzzles. I mean, I call them wall, but they're like tower shaped. So they're long and rectangular. I have two of them that I found from a dollar store. I have a bunch of little dollar store accessories too. Like body, like temporary tattoos, like little... Uh, kids like toy rings um I'm pretty sure I said I had monster high towels I have the hand towels I have the bigger towels um I have cosplay accessories I have the eye coffin it still works um I'm just recently getting a lot of the stuff um the monster high uh, merchandise from hot topic I just got the backpack today um their eyeshadow palette I also just got a few of the new Monster High shirts from HotTopic.com. There's even more to come soon in April. I have at least four or five different signatures from everybody on the Monster High team. Um, I think the crown jewel of my dolls is Zombie Gaga. I have her. She's signed by Garrett Sander. I have a bunch of dolls signed by Garrett. Almost all my exclusives like from Comic-Con are signed by him. Um... Like, yeah, like I said, this can go on and on and on. I have this weird cubicle, kind of like a beanbag chair, but it's small, like a small cubed, you could sit on it, a uh, beanbag chair of of the Monster High characters. It just has the main three on it. Uh, I have two Monster High trash cans. Uh, I have the bedding. I have the sheets. I have, well, I, I cut up the sheets for a dress because they only make them in... They only make the sheets for uh, twin size beds and I have a queen, but I have the sheets. I have the comforter, which I still use. I have the 
have the pillowcases. Um, I even have the Skullet pillow. I have the Skullet backpack. I have a couple of Monster High backpacks now. Uh, three, including the new one. Um, yeah, um, stationary sets, uh, hairbrushes, like hair accessories, the body washes. I don't use them, but I have them. Um, all the Skelector dolls, the Pennywise, Grady Twins, Greta, uh, Beetlejuice have them. They're all in box. They're never getting, I'm never taking them out. I mean, cosplay, I've cosplayed almost every version of Claudine that I, I liked. Not every Claudine in existence, because that was a lot. Um, I'm working on Hot Couture Claudine now. Like I said, this is a long, long list. We can be here all night, and I don't want to do that. But yeah, my Monster High collection is damn near endless, and it's still going. I, hell, I even have all the Monster High McDonald's toys, like all of them. I, like I said, my collection rivals some of the biggest collectors out there. Like, I'm I'm in the leagues with them. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you wanted me to say anything, any one specific thing, but I have so much Monster High stuff, more than I know what to do with. Um, and some of, and not to say that I'm greedy with it, some of my items I am selling uh, for whoever, you know, and, and I'm trying not to do the eBay scalper price thing, because these are not things I buy just to sell. These were also Monster High toys and dolls that friends have given me over the years because they're like ah, I decided I don't like this doll anymore they just give them to me and I sell them and I try my damn just not to be the eBay scalper and sell them like ridiculously overpriced but I'm also trying to make a little bit of a profit but you're not going to see me be one of those people who's trying to upsell a doll that I bought for maybe 50 bucks and sell it for 300 dollars I'm not trying to be that person but you know but um, if you're talking about also any one particular Monster High thing, I'm most, I hold most dear to me. And surprisingly, you're, you're going to hear me say it's not one of the dolls, but it is a drawing that was done by the voice of Gulia Aru Padden, who also played a very big hand in the creation of Ever After High. And in 2011, I decided to cosplay Claudine because I finally found out what Monster High is. Um... Now, I went to Comic-Con in 2010 when Monster High did its first debut, but I just didn't know what it was at the time. And I only found out about Monster High August after Comic-Con. So the next year I decided to cosplay Claudine Wolf, and Audu Potten and Garrett Sander loved me so much as Claudine. They did a drawing, a quick sketch with a Sharpie, of Claudine Wolf and handed it to me. And that was the day they also told me, we want to make you the official Claudine. So from that day forward in 2011 at Comic-Con, I was made the official Claudine Wolf. And I have that same sketch framed on my wall right now. It's in my Monster High bathroom, which I promise we're getting real close to finally showing off. And she sits there and infamy. And she's probably the one thing I treasure the most over everything. And trust me, I mean, she doesn't really have any monetary value like my zombie Gaga signed by Garrett, which one day I'll have Lady Gaga sign it. But the fact is, that's something sentimental to me of everything in my collection. So, yeah. 
And I think that's going to be it for your question. And that's going to also be it for tonight's listener-friendly asked questions. I apologize if I did not get to your question tonight. But still feel free to DM me either through Instagram or TikTok if you have a question you would like me to answer in a future episode. And that's it, you guys. Thank you 100% for tuning in on the last episode of season four of Midnight Tea. This has been a wild journey. I'm still kind of ridiculously impressed that I made it to the end of season four. And I will be coming back for a season five. But please, fam, understand that there will be a season five. But instead of me taking a two-week break like I usually do, I'm going to be taking a three-week break. So the next episode that of Midnight Tea will not be out until April midnight. Friday, April 8th, into Saturday, April 9th. Just to really give me a massive break. I just have, even though I just finished Fashion Week, I still got a lot going on in which it's taking up a lot of my time. So everything's going to get kind of pushed back a little so I can not only get everything under control, but also get some me time, do a lot of self-care, which is 100% necessary. Uh, You'll always hear me, I am a strong advocator of taking health days, mental health days, taking a me day, taking some very well-deserved self-care. I I don't care how you do your self-care, but do it. Um, I also have family in town, so that's also something I've got to kind of handle that as well. It requires a bit of my attention. But know that there will still be a season five. It's just going to be coming out a little later. Um, But as always, if you are ever interested in uh, any of the social media that I'm on, my TikTok and... Wow, I'm flubbing. My TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube are Morningstar Moonchild. My Twitter and my Snapchat are Moonchild Nil. If you do add me on Snapchat, understand I'm not really on it anymore. I just finally was able to change the name so that all of my usernames online that you can find me at is either Morningstar Moonchild or Moonchild Nil because Morningstar Moonchild might be too long of a word and I can't use it. So that's why Twitter and Snapchat have the names they do. But... If you like any of the content that I do, please feel free to like, subscribe, follow, and share to any other like-minded people who are just interested in horror, Disney news, goth news, theme parks, nerd culture, etc. I really appreciate your all of your listenership, and I can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in like you do. And just enjoy me ranting and talking about the things that I truly love most. It's really appreciative to know that I'm being heard. Um, so with that being said, guys, please continue to light candles and say prayers for the people of Ukraine. And even by association, I know this might sound controversial, say a prayer to some of the people in Russia as well. Because I, I want to remind everybody that just because someone is Russian doesn't mean they immediately side with what's going on with Putin. The same way not every American was in love with Trump or even by association Biden, because let's be honest, he's not doing a great job. So please respect the fact that not just be, that one, that some is not the equivalent of all.
And some people actually, some people of Russia actually did not want any part of this. So please be kind and respectful to those around you. You will always hear me talk about spread kindness because it costs nothing and it really doesn't. Kindness is free. Always remember that. So with that being said, guys, I will look forward to seeing you again in three, well, (laughs) having you guys listen in again in three weeks forever to spread kindness because it's free. Stay safe and blessed be.